0: This episode of Bossable Podcast is sponsored by Academy of Philosophy, Finland's leading trainer of smart habits. Academy of Philosophy helps people hack their working skills. If you want less stress and a better workflow, you should hack yours too. Hacking in this context means clear priorities, smart meeting habits, and efficient and quality ways of communicating and delegating, both at the team and personal level. So, for example, if Slack notifications interrupt your work all the time, maybe it's time to have a talk with your team and simply agree on how often members respond to messages and how to communicate when under an actual emergency. In other words, developing your team meta-skills and routines. And this is what Academy of Philosophy can help you with. Go to academyofphilosophy.com to learn more or to book a training. welcome to a new episode of boss level podcast today's topic is personal productivity i read getting things done roughly 10 years ago and since reading it i have applied it pretty much every day and i have not fallen off the wagon for any period of time which seems absolutely crazy when i think about it and the method is like second nature to me now It has helped me get stuff done, and it has helped me feel less stressed out about stuff. And that was why I was really excited to talk to David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done, which is a book that has significantly improved the productivity of probably millions of people. It's a method that helps you capture all the stuff floating around in your brain, process it into next actions and projects, and then just get them done. You're listening to The Bossable Podcast. I'm your host, Sami, and I hope you like this episode with David Allen. Welcome to the podcast, David.
1: Thanks. Delighted to be here, Sami.
0: So, first of all, I actually want to thank you, because uh, I read Getting Things Done about 10 years ago, and I still apply the principles pretty much every day. And from that perspective, it's definitely been the book that has had the most profound impact on me.
1: You're quite welcome. I'm always delighted to hear when actually something sticks out there and people actually read this stuff and actually do it, you know, because the real, you can understand it even if you read it, but the real power comes in the experience of it, and you actually have to implement So I'm always thrilled to hear somebody like you that says, hey, it works, it still works, it's still going on, yay. So good for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's pretty amazing that there's a book that you can actually, that's so practical and so pragmatic that some of the things that you pick up will stay with you as things that you do every day for for 10 years. There's not a lot of books that can do that, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that was a lot of, you know, my impetus was to, to reduce things to the ultimate reduction. So you couldn't reduce it anymore. So you yeah. couldn't get it any simpler at the same time. You couldn't get it any more efficient. And you know, that was always been my sort of my driver. So yeah, yeah, it was deli- it's, it, it's been a delight to have a career where I actually found something that was that practical, that universal, and also that we weren't born doing. <laughs> so, so people actually have to, you know, do something to get this. So it became a, a profession. So.
0: Yeah. And actually, before we go into the method uh, any deeper, let's talk a little about your background. Because from what I've understood, you have a very uh, interesting background. I mean, you used to do heroin and you had 35 professions before you turned 35 years of age. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call them professions. I just call them jobs. Yeah. You know, some of some of them were one nighters. You know, couldn't stand it any longer than one day, and so, you know. But I, 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 just, I always remember that because I was 35 years old, and I just, sat, I don't know why. I just uh, something. I said, let me just sit down and make a list of everything I've ever done for money, and I came up with 35. So that's why it was easy to remember. You know, 35 by by that by 35, and maybe to fill in some of the story there. <clears throat> um, So I had other friends that seemed to know what they wanted to do in life and were starting businesses and, and, you know, had their own sort of entrepreneurial events going on. And so I just, I I helped a lot of them. So I helped a couple of guys start a restaurant in LA. I managed a service station for somebody else. We managed a car restoration business. I sold mopeds. I, I, I rented U-Haul trailers. I, I, I helped a guy run a landscape company. Um, And, you know, basically I just show up and, 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 uh, look around and see what they were doing and say god isn't there some easier way we can do x y or z then i discovered they call those people something they pay them money consultant you know now i are one you know couldn't spell it and now i are a consultant so 1981 hung out my shingle started my own little consulting practice and i was really hungry for models you know if i if i showed up and you know saw somebody that i might be able to consult with if it wasn't clear how to help them, it'd be nice to have something in my hip pocket I could pull out as a model to walk them through, as well as I'd gotten kind of turned on to clear space. And so I discovered that as my life was fairly simple, I was kind of easier to keep a clear space. But as I got more, life got more complex, then I saw that was pretty easy to screw up clear space. But wouldn't it be nice if, we could, if I could find a way to, to stay in that clear space while I was still managing you know, lots of stuff? So I found techniques for myself to begin with that worked for that and turned around and started to use those techniques with my clients and it produced exactly the same result no matter who it was. Yeah. More control, more focus, more space, more room to focus on meaningful stuff. And then head of human resources in a big corporation saw what I was doing and he said, wow, David, we need those results in our whole company. You know, can you design some sort of a training format around this so we can reach a lot of people at once instead of just one-on-one? And I said, well, sure, I'll try. So I worked with his team for a couple of months to design a pilot program, productivity program. And we did a pilot program for 1,000 executives and managers. And it worked. And then to fast forward, just to finish, kind of finish the, the vector here, is that at some point, and it took about 20 years for me to realize that what I'd figured out, nobody else seemed to have figured out, and that it was unique, and that it was bulletproof. You couldn't punch a hole in it. Anybody who implemented these techniques would gain those kind of results, more control, more focus, more time for meaningful stuff, you know, in their life. So that's when I decided I better write the book, you know, that would probably be the next stage for, for me to see if I can put that in some virtual form. And that's when I wrote the first edition of Getting Things Done.
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually, one of the kind of impressive things about the GTD method is, is like you said, it's kind of hard to punch holes in it, that it's a... Uh, it's a whole. It has a lot of different parts, but they form a whole that kind of uh, you can use to manage uh, a lot of different aspects of, of the things that you need to get done.
1: Yeah. You know, that it, 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 it took a long time to get to put in writing exactly what I knew. I knew it from an experiential standpoint that this stuff worked and how it worked. Uh, but to get it into book form, that, that, was, that was quite challenging. Usually I did one-on-one stuff, you know, desk side with people, or I did lots of seminars and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people going through my seminars with this material. And I knew if I could get people sort of captive and could hold their attention, you know, that, that, that it, would produce, it would produce really neat results. I didn't know whether I could put that in a virtual forum without me being there and have people get it. Yeah. So that was a big, that was a big milestone for me was to, when the book was first published and on the shelf, I got an email from a woman that weekend and she said, David, I got the book. I read the book. I implemented it this weekend and it changed my life. I went, ah, okay, well, at least one person did it. That means it's possible that I put it in some sort of virtual form.
0: Yeah. But okay. Anyway, uh, let's start getting into the uh, method itself. So Is there a brief way that you can walk the listeners through the getting things done method? I mean, it's a large set of stuff, but is there a short way for you to introduce the getting things done method?
1: Well, it's 20 seconds short enough. That's very good. (laughs) Okay. Well, any potentially meaningful thing you can't finish when you think of it needs to be captured into some sort of trusted bucket. Sooner than later, you need to decide what exactly that thing means to you, what you're going to do about it, if anything, what's the action required, what's the outcome desired. Uh, And then you need to park those results in some sort of a trusted system uh, that you can then review and reflect on, on a consistent basis. So you're seeing the whole gestalt, essentially, of all of your commitments and all the work that you have to do, so that then you're making trusted choices about what you do.
0: Wow, that was really good. I think one of the uh, crucial parts, for me at least, or what changed uh, a lot of the way that I uh, do things was the part about this, like, having this concept of an inbox or this thing where you just push stuff when you when something comes into your mind you just immediately write it down and that's the point of that is that you shouldn't be trying to keep it in memory but you should try to get it into the inbox and then just try to process it later and i I think that's been like really important for me at least
1: yeah and and not only do you want to capture it right then because two minutes later you forget what you forgot Right. Yep. Yep. So you need to get it right then and you need to train yourself that your 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 mind is tricky and, and you need to get smarter than your mind. And so you need to write it down right away. But you also then do not need to organize, prioritize or anything about it right then. That's the problem. Most people don't want to write things down because they think, oh, I have to make a list. Well, I guess I need to prioritize and organize. And then that constipates their whole thinking process instead of just yep. being in the flow. So, you know, you can make decisions about what you want to do about stuff, you know, right away if you want to, but you want to have the freedom as I do to just jot anything down, throw it in your entry and know that when I need to loop back around and sort of move more into an executive mode, that's when I can then make a decision about what was that? Is, was, I, was that a good idea? Was that a bad idea? What, what do I now need to do about that? So the freedom to be able to have an idea, but not yet know exactly what I'm going to do about it or with it is a huge freedom. Yeah.
0: And I remember when I started doing this and and, uh, back then I had a Nokia phone that didn't have a to-do application or anything like that. So I had like trouble trying to figure out how can I do this? Because I already back then, like 10 years ago, I wanted to do it somehow like in a digital format. I didn't want to have a notepad to carry around. I wanted to have a digital version of it. And it was hard back then trying to figure out how to, <laughs> how to get it work. But nowadays, it's a lot easier because you have a lot of to-do applications and it's actually fairly easy or it's very easy for you to pick up your phone and write something into the inbox of, of a to-do application.
1: Yeah, but that said, Sami, the, <laughs> the problem is unless you really have a, a strict or a rigorous GTD discipline, uh, then it's very often you're throwing it into a black hole. So, the kind of good and bad news about the digital world is it gives you so many options about where you can put stuff yeah. and then if you don't have the rigor to then go back in and retrace your steps and pull that stuff back out and you know process it appropriately you've you just created a monster you know, I use Evernote for just keeping random, uh, you know, digital reference information and for checklists. I don't use it for, for reminders, but it took me at least three months, maybe even six to feel comfortable about the heuristic or the, the, how I wanted to structure, you know, Evernote, because it's so cool because it's so simple, but because it's so simple, you actually have to figure out your own ways. How do I structure this? Which folders go inside of what other folders? How do I want to categorize that? And so forth in order to make it, really slick and that's really true for a lot of the digital tools out there is in a way they're quite simple and most of the you know the to-do applications they're just list managers you know with just different bells and whistles on them but you have to figure out how to how you want to use it and you know make that a consistent thing and make it complete and you know that's challenging so the digital world doesn't solve this it just gives you a tool that can facilitate it if you actually know what to do and how to use it
0: Okay, so there's first the capturing part. Uh, let's talk a little about the uh, part where you organize or you process the, the stuff that's, that's in, in your inbox. What are the most important parts about, about that?
1: Yeah, well, you, know, you need to ask yourself some really good, important questions about how to get clear about what you wrote down. Most people's to-do lists have things like mom and bank and tooth and, and and VP of marketing. or you know They just have made notes, which is fine. At least you've captured something that has your attention. But what they still haven't done is make a decision about, well, what are you going to do about the bank? And so unfortunately, most people's to-do lists are still incomplete lists of still unclear stuff. So you need to move yourself to a next process where you take every single thing. Anybody listening to this right now, if you have a to-do list, pull it out right now. You'll see what I'm talking about doubtfully, unless you're a G- serious GTD'er, you don't have any next actions on that list, or very few. In other words, you haven't either decided or you haven't recorded somehow, what's the very next thing you need to do about mom or the bank or the VP of marketing or your tooth? Is that a phone call? Is that an email to send or whatever? So the first clarification you need to make about anything that's come into your ecosystem, whether it's dropped in via social media or, or your email or your physical mail, or just an idea you wrote down when you woke up in the morning, uh, is is it an actionable item, yes or no? Uh, If no, then it's one of three things. It's either trash, uh, or it's reference material that you just need to keep somewhere, or it's something that you might wanna move on, but not now, it's incubator on hold. So there are a number of things that we capture or collect that when to clarify them, you need to decide, do I really need that email? Or do I really need that piece of paper? Do I really need that? Oh, okay, but I need to keep it, great. So, you know, being able to decide the non-actionable stuff, that's important. But then the actionable things, things that you have any commitment to move on at all, you need to decide what does moving look like, where does it happen, and what does done mean? So outcome and action become the really key questions to ask yourself about, okay, well, what's the very next thing I need to do about mom? Well, you know, I need to call my sister, see what she thinks we should do about mom's birthday. Great. And will that one action complete whatever this is about? no, probably not. So what's your project? You know, I need to look into how to celebrate mom's birthday. Great. Now you got a project. So if one action won't complete whatever this thing is, then you need to identify the outcome that you are desired to reach. So that's that could be a small thing like get a watch fixed. It could be a big thing like, you know, redesign your company. Most people resist those questions and those answers like the plague until the heat on something forces them to make those decisions as opposed to when it first lands on your plate. Because it's possible to not have any of those things on your mind, but that's not free. You don't get there by drinking or meditating.
0: Yeah. And after that, I think, uh, or w- one of the things that you do while you process the, the stuff in your inbox is, is you also like you also decide on a context. Can you talk a little about the, the concept of a context?
1: Well, in a way, once you actually go through that clarification process, you could manage a very simple system there are really only four actionable categories that you need to have, but they need to be distinct. One is you need a list of projects that are not actions. They're the final outcomes. And most people have between 30 and 100 of those. Get tires on your car, handle the next vacation, uh, hire the vice president, research what to do about this tooth problem, and those kinds of things. If you actually you know, uh, were discreet uh, and enough and complete enough about identifying those things that you have attention on and some commitment to do something about that's a very, very critical list to have. It's a project list. So as you probably know, Sami, if, if you've done this for a, a little while, that's the core of the weekly review. Once a week, you need to take a look at all those open loops. Say, like how, okay, how am I doing with, oh God, that reminds me I need to, oh yeah, right, right, right. So the project list is key. And then the actions that you need to take come in two flavors, actions that need to happen on a specific day or a time. And those go on your calendar or scheduler, or your diary. And then the actions to do as soon as you can. That aren't a, an appointment, but just need to I need to make that phone call that I could do it today, I could do it tomorrow, I could do it in the next three days. I just need to do it in and around my other commitments. And that's just a list of next actions. And then you need a fourth list, which is a list of all the things you're waiting on to come back from somebody else. The actions and projects other people are doing you've delegated to them or you're expecting them to come back, or the things that are hung up, and you can't keep moving on it until you get something back from a customer or your boss or somewhere, or the things you've ordered that haven't come yet. Who knows? So the waiting for list. So we got a project list. Then you have a calendar. You have a list of next actions and you have a waiting for list. It could be that simple. And where context shows up is because most people, mid to senior level professionals anyway, have over 150 next actions that are not on your calendar, but calls to make, stuff to do at the computer, stuff to talk to people about, stuff you need to buy at the store. You know, All of those things, if you add those up, you got a you got a big 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 list of those things. So if every time you went to go do errands, you had to find the errands in 150 things, that'd be a little unwieldy. And you wouldn't even bother. So over the years, we just found it was simpler if you have that that kind of volume, as most people do, or that inventory of next actions. If you sorted them by some sort of a contextual, uh, you know, categorization. So again, typically, you know, my list are, for instance, calls to make stuff to do at the computer when I'm not online, stuff to do at the computer when I am online. Those are two separate lists. And so, you know, I don't have that many, but it just makes it a lot simpler because if I'm out for errands, all I can do is make calls or run errands. (laughs) There's no other list I need to look at.
0: Let's talk about the weekly review. That's, I, I think, also one of the parts that that's uh, really fundamental, and I I feel that it's really important. So that's the part where you walk through the stuff that all the projects that you have. And, and actually, uh, can you just walk us through, like, what is the weekly review?
1: You know, once you've captured stuff externally, you need to then step back and be able to reflect and review it. Anybody listening to this who's looked at their calendar in the last two days has already done a kind of a review process. In other words, you you step back, you look at some external brain source called your calendar, because you're not doing it in your head. Unless you are, that'd be rare. Uh, but then you step back, and what you do is you kind of lift up a little bit and take a look at a longer horizon. Oh, here's the next day or two, or the next week or two, or the next month or two, here's what it looks like. So in general, the whole reflection and review process is a fairly you know, common, it's a common sense thing that I oftentimes just need to get a larger perspective instead of just being run around the axle you know, all the time. So the weekly review we've discovered seems to be the one that's kind of most missing. A lot of times in the professional world, you have people that do maybe quarterly reviews or strategic reviews or, you know, annual offsites where they're doing strategic planning and looking kind of the larger horizon and stuff. And then they're down to the, down in the weeds call, okay, here's my calendar. Here's where I need to be. Here's the calls I need to make, et cetera. And not much in between, but the in between is a really, really powerful, you know, kind of operational review and reflection. And we found when you, that's why I mentioned uh, earlier that the project list is so critical because at that level, I don't need to look at all my projects or that I have all those projects every hour, every day. There've been some times in my life where I did need to review them fairly consistently and fairly quickly because things were changing so fast. But generally speaking at that horizon, probably once a week is a sufficient look, but you need to look at those once a week and say, how am I doing on that? Do I have a current next action, you know, in my list about that? I'm not letting any dust settle on this that shouldn't settle on it. And by the way, any new things that have shown up that at, at the project level, everybody listening to this probably in the last two to three or four days, and you could validate your, your, this yourself, Sammy, has anything occurred to you or has occurred in your world that you probably have some commitment to complete, to finalize, or to finish, but you haven't had a chance yet to sit down and actually nail or identify exactly what it is, but you know you got it. Yeah. Yeah. That that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. And it's always, you know, life's like that these days. Projects don't show up in pretty pink packages. <laughs> they they ooze on you. You made a call, you thought it was going to be a simple thing and it turned out to be a complex thing. You got somebody on the other end of the lines bitching and moaning about something that you now need to handle. It's like, oh God, what happened? And as I mentioned before, you know, most people have 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 projects. And boy, that's very, very difficult to keep track of and maintain a reference point about all that, unless you're looking at that list and keeping it current. Yeah, you know, don't anybody trying to do that in their head is screwed.
0: You know, yeah, there's yeah. no way. Yes. You be
1: driven by latest and loudest. Period. You know.
0: I do the weekly review on Fridays. And for me, it's like this clarifying experience where I'm like, after doing the weekly review, I'm like, okay, I'm on top of things. I know what's going on. I know what's important when I start working uh, Monday and I know what's unfinished. And I know like I have a very good big picture of what's going on. But then again, I mean, some of my friends say that like, they would never want to do that on a Friday because what, that would feel like for them is that they know all the stuff that's unfinished. They're going to walk through all these projects and all these, all these things that they still need to work on. And they feel that that would not create clarity for them, but that would create stress for them for the weekend. Uh, any thoughts on this?
1: Oh, people get mad at me for their list. I'm going, excuse me, It's not my, that's, not,
0: that's
1: your list, that's not mine. And if they think they're going to get rid of the stress by not looking at it, good luck. It'll wake them up at three o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. You know, yeah. it'll, it, it'll, keep, it'll keep bugging and draining their energy. See, you know, maybe this is the best place to kind of step back and step up and say, look, getting things done is not so much about getting things done as it is about being appropriately engaged with your life. And appropriate engagement doesn't mean that you're finished. It means I'm in the driver's seat about what this is and where it is. And so you can only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. Exactly. So if you want to feel, if you want to feel good on the weekend about all the other stuff you're not doing, you demo better look at it and say, it'll wait, right? If you don't, it'll nag at you. It'll start to drain and exhaust your energy in very subliminal ways. And most people don't, won't realize that until they actually have an experience like you are describing of, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) This is freedom. This is not stress. Matter of fact, I was in stress. Now I'm, you know, like a ton of bricks came off my shoulders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the power is in, in making conscious decisions about the things that you are not going to do. And mm-hmm. basically after making a conscious decision that this is something that I'm not going to, like, I know it's an unfinished thing that I need to work on, but I'm, I know about it and it'll stay there and it'll be there on Monday and I don't need to focus on it. I don't need to think about it during the week. And I think that's very powerful
1: to me. Well, that's one of the reasons people, when they first, you know, in, in my seminars or in my coaching with them, When they first just do a a mind sweep or a core dump out of their head, the relief comes from, Oh, I can't do any of the, I can't do all those right now. And the problem is, is when you store the stuff in your, in your head, which is again, a crappy office, if you store it in your head, that part of your psyche doesn't seem to have a sense of past or future. So there's a part of you, at least subliminally, that thinks you should be doing all of those all the time. No wonder people are so stressed and feeling so overwhelmed because they can't stop that engine from running internally if that's the only place you have this. And you can fool me, but you can't fool your mind. It knows whether or not you've captured something appropriately in some external place that you'll see at the right time. And if not, it's spinning. So, you know, as you may have experienced, once you start to externalize all this stuff, it really impacts your energy in in a very interesting way. Yeah. And actually,
0: do you ever get off GTD? Let's say you go on vacation. Do you still, uh, when stuff pops up in your mind, do you still put them in your inbox? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah That's why my, it- little, my little note taker wallet's with me on the beach. Sometimes that's where I have some of the best ideas. Right? Yeah, it's the same for I me. I mean,
0: and and, and it's funny because like I guess someone could feel that that's stressful that you you can't get off the system even if you're on vacation. And at least for me, the experience is quite the opposite. It's one of these yeah. things where I'm like, if I some have some idea on vacation or or I m- remember something that I need to take care of. Once again, I capture it, and then I don't need to think about it. It's more of a right. vacation then. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and many times I come back from vacation with a huge red folder called "In." You know, exactly, <laughs> that I tra- yeah. travel with, and I just pile the stuff in there. I'll, you know, uh, no, there's no burning barns in there. I'll get to it when I get back, and sure. I just dump it all into my into my desk in, in- tray when I when I get home.
0: Yeah, and actually, that's also one of the things, or one of the things that I do that I don't really process my inbox during vacation. If it's possible, if it's just like a week of vacation, then I don't process the inbox. I just throw stuff in there. <laughs>
1: Well, there's a strange implicit assumption that processing your inbox is not fun. I think it's fun.
0: (laughs) It can be. It can be. I mean, I do get the part about it being fun. I also, there are parts of it that are very very enjoyable, like getting stuff into, uh, organizing them and and prioritizing them and and so on. I think that's very, like, it can be very kind of healthy. (laughs) I feel very healthy to do that. But uh, on the other hand, it's still, it takes a lot of energy because there's so many things that you need to consider and you like coming up with next actions for some of the things is not always easy. And trying to
1: You got to think,
0: it's true. Thinking is
1: hard. Thinking takes, you know, Burns, <laughs> burns calories in your brain. It, no, it does. Yep. It does. Yep. And so mm-hmm. it is, but, you know, so it's running on the beach, that takes energy too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you've worked on this for quite a while. So you have a lot of stories of people who get a lot of uh, good benefits out of using the method. What are the most uh, common reasons why people fall off the GTD wagon?
1: Their addiction to stress, their willingness <laughs> okay. to tolerate not doing this and the results that produces. In other words, if the good fairy showed up and disappeared, everybody's emailed right now out of their inboxes. and you know, Zero. In about two weeks, everybody had pretty much the same number they currently have. It has nothing to do with the volume. It has to do with the, the, your comfort zone of how many unprocessed things you still feel okay about not dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mine is zero. I mean, it's never zero. There's always stuff coming in. And I also don't take showers 24 hours a day. But at a certain point, i got to take a shower because the scuzz factor is going to get too high. At a certain (laughs) point, i got to empty my in-basket because the scuzz factor gets too high. It's just psychic scuzz. So literally for the same reason you brush teeth or take showers, the reason people fall off is they're fine with not taking a shower for a week. But again, you know, unless you just let it all pile up and then you just do do email bankruptcy, you know, control A, control X, you know, uh, and pray you know you're going to have to deal with it at some point and it's a whole lot easier to maintain a zero backlog than a 3000 backlog okay great
0: um let's talk a little about using the method at a at a bigger scale i mean a lot of the practices are very uh i mean you need to apply them at the personal level but how does this scale if you want to if you want to learn something about this uh and and use it with your team or if you want to use it uh, organization-wide. What are the ways of, of, of using GTD at that level?
1: Well, the principles that, you know, I basically developed working one, one-on-one with individuals. The principles, you know, that I uncovered really apply to an enterprise as well. If I were to walk into your team or anybody's team right now, first question I'm going to have as a consultant is what has the team's attention right now, right? So just like I would ask you as a person, what's got your attention? And you'd write it down and say, what's got the team's attention? yeah because as it, it's 99 <laughs> percent of the time the same is true with the team as it is an individual whatever you have your attention on is hung up it's stuck that's why you have your attention on it is something still needs to be decided about it something still needs to be organized about it in order to get it onto cruise control so it's not so you don't have attention on it and then i'm just going to write that all up on a big whiteboard or an easel pad or wherever and we say great Okay, what is this thing? What, you, what does this mean? And is this something you're going to act on as a team? Great. Uh, what needs to happen? What's the desired outcome that the team has about this? Fabulous. You know, what's the next action on this? Or what needs to be happening? Who's got it? You know, who's, who's going to do that? So, you know, this is, you know, this is not some cult. This is good business, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what you need to do to get clarity, if you want to get clarity on the team, so you get clarity in a team or an enterprise the same way you do with an individual. Usually in a team context, you don't usually need to have to get down to the very granular next action. You just need to trust you have individuals who walk into that meeting that were just handed a project that they'll take that project and have next act themselves figure out how to manage that in their personal system. So the same principles. And you know, we've just seen whole cultures change with the lexicon of GTD starts to be built into the culture. You don't start meetings without going, well, excuse me, what exactly do we want to accomplish by what time? And oh, by the way, once you've ended in some discussion about something, what do we just decide and what's the next step and who's got it? Yeah, I, I totally agree
0: about that. I mean, a lot of people are very frustrated about meetings not uh, having a clear focus and so on. I, I think the two things that you kind of mentioned, like in the beginning, having a discussion on what we want to achieve, and then in the end, uh, having a discussion on the next actions. It, just doing those two things can have a huge impact. Oh,
1: huge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could have fooled me. I mean, it's it's in this way, it's such common sense. Yeah, but it's not necessarily that commonly applied.
0: Really good. Uh, so. Let's start closing this discussion. Final question. How should people get started with GTD? What, what are the ways that, or what are the things that they need to pick up first?
1: Hmm, well, if you don't mind being intimidated by the manual, <laughs> yeah. you know, get, get the new edition of Getting Things Done. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really, that's really it. You know, when I did the new edition, I rewrote the whole book. Just I picked up the first edition and rewrote it. And I said, would I still say this the same way? And, you know, a good bit of it is, yes, I would. I said, well, couldn't, couldn't beat that. That's still the best way to say that. But a number of things I tweaked and refined and added to and enhanced on that new edition. So, and it's a kind of book you can kind of browse through and just pick apart and sort of read it and see what happens. See, you know, see what rings your bell. A lot of great quotations in there. You know, they're kind of fun. So, you know, so that's, that's a good place to start. And there are a zillion forums and, you know, conversations going on about GTD all over. Somebody yep. said they got seven million hits when they when they Google GDD. You know, God knows where you know what's going on out there. I mean, it really became this sort of global phenomenon. Sort of bemusing to me. Well, yep. great. Thanks a lot for your time, David. My pleasure, Sammy. This was good, it was fun.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Boss Level Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the getting things done method, I strongly urge you to find the book and read it. I'm planning on reading the new edition just to refresh and delve deeper. And as always, shares on social media are very much appreciated. And also I'd love a review on iTunes for the podcast. But that's about it. Thanks again for listening and tune in again in two weeks. Bye bye.